With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shall we begin? Let's begin now. This is Maya Moore, and you're listening to Dishin and Twishin'. Hi, everybody. It's David Siegel. It's great to welcome you to another Dishin and Swishin' podcast. We're going to talk a little Big Ten basketball this week, and I am pleased to have an old friend back on the podcast. We talked when she was at St. John's. We talked when she first came to Michigan, and it's a pleasure to welcome ranked in the top 25 now, Kim barnes Rico, the head coach at the University of Michigan. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well, David. Thank you. It's great to uh, talk to you again. Well, it's our pleasure. And coach, let's get it, let's get it started by turning back the clock for people that want to remember the history of St. John's in Connecticut before we get into the Michigan stuff. And I said, you know, it, it's February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2017, right now. But February 18th, 2012, Gamble Pavilion. Another 100 streak was on the line. UConn to win 100 home games in a row, just like they did last night against South Carolina, winning 100 straight games, period. And somebody took them down at Gamble Pavilion. Now, who might that have been, Ken? <laughs> that, was, that was a great St. John's team uh, that, that took them down, that was able to go in there and really play well on that day and really, I think, shock the world. But a great group of, of kids that really went on to, to finish off the season, had a great season that year, and finish off the, the year going um, to the Sweet 16. Shanika Smith, with the incredible jump shot under pressure, hits the game winner. Uh, I'll still rem- I could still see the shot. It was one of the great games that have been in Gamble, even if UConn didn't come out on top, it was exciting. Uh, if I recall, there was really pretty lousy weather right around there, too, and there was questions about the crowd, and you guys made it up from New York, and and just you took them down. It was a, you're right, it was a great team and a great game. It was an incredible game, and we just felt like our kids were playing with a lot of confidence that day. Um, they felt if they kept the game close, um, they would have a chance to win it down the stretch. And, and you know, I, I remember every time out we would say, okay, every four minutes let's just keep it close. And as the game stayed close and it got closer and closer to the end, we would have timeouts, and it was no longer that I was really coaching them up in the timeout. The kids were really taking over. And, you know, even that last play, we called a timeout, and Connecticut went up too. And it was their first lead, I think, in some time, or it was kind of back and forth, if I recall. And, Shanika Smith was like, hey, coach, you know, I got this, because we're like, okay, do we run a two to tie it to Daishina Stevens, whose sister actually is sitting out for them this year, the transfer from Duke. Um, She was a Connecticut kid who, you know, really was proud to be able to do that um, at Connecticut, uh, was freshman in the year in the league, really had a great career for us at St. John's. You know, do we run it for her, two to tie, or do we try to go three to get the win? 
and Shanika said, Coach, I, I, I got it. You know, I got this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this girl hasn't hit a three in about three months. <laughs> and we're going to run a play for her to win the game. But those were the kind of kids that we had that year. They really believed in themselves. They believed in each other. And um, we ran a, we ran just a, a screen for Deshina and Shanika. And I think it was Tina Charles who kind of stepped off and um, gave Shanika a little bit of space and uh, – she was able to knock down the shot. And then there was still time. Connecticut came down, and Bria Hartley had a, had a shot in the corner. And, and I remember it, it missed, and we won the game. And I think I was kind of in disbelief for a second. I really wasn't sure, and I didn't know to celebrate or what to do. So I just went down the line as quickly as we could and, you know, shook hands with everyone. And it went right to the media because it was kind of a little bit of a big deal. And they said, what do you want to do? I was like, I just kind of want to get in the locker room and, and uh, connect with our team. And uh, that's when I walked in there. And as a coach, you know, one of the greatest moments for me was Deshina Stevens in there, you know, holding up her St. John's jersey and just saying, hey, coach, you know, when I came here, nobody believed that we can do this. And being from the state of Connecticut and a Connecticut kid to be able to come here and do this here um, just, you know, is the greatest moment in my life. And it just brought tears to my eyes. So it was a it was a special night. Um, for for our program, for sure. But I think it was a special night for everyone because it gave a belief that, you know, if St. John's could do it, you know, any any of us can do it. And it's just one game, and on any given night, anything could happen. And kind of felt that way for South Carolina maybe going in last night. You know, it's one game. You know, maybe tonight could be your night. And it, and it wasn't, and Connecticut was fabulous, and, and Gino's incredible, and they just have such a wonderful program. But it was a special night for us that night, for sure. Well, no question. And, and you know, you gave me the perfect lead into talking about your team that you've got going in Michigan now. And that was, you know, the way that people bought in on that team into the whole concept of what they could do and buying into your vision for building a program. And that's something that Michigan has been a powerhouse in so many sports. But women's basketball was never one of them. Now, you've got an AD in Ward Manuel, who we know is a big believer in women's basketball and is, was, a, you know, Gino Ariamis talks about it all the time. Uh, and now you've got your program on the rise and you've got, and you're doing that by getting kids that are buying into Michigan and what you're trying to teach. And let's talk a little bit about that. How, how did you start bringing these types of kids in with the talent that you have, starting with, with Caitlin Flaherty, really, to buy into your system and believe in you? Yeah, David, that's a great question, and that's kind of what had happened at St. John's. I, I think you got to get a different kind of kid, a special kid that, you know, doesn't want to already go to an established program. And that's kind of what happened, especially being on the East Coast, close to Connecticut. I mean, the best players at the time were going to, to UConn and to Notre Dame and to Rutgers. And it started with the Deshina Stevens who said, you know, I want to do something different. You know, Rutgers recruited me, Notre Dame's recruited me. I'm going to go to St. John's, you know, a place where maybe my family can be a part of it, but I can also come in and make an impact and build it. You know, I want to be a pioneer for St. John's. And, and then, you know, Shanika Smith and the recruiting class that followed after Deshina and just great leadership from the Joy McCorveys of the world that were older um, players on that team. And 
kind of a similar thing has happened here. Um, you just got to get kids that believe in themselves first and foremost that they can come and make an impact and make a difference and aren't afraid to be the ones that say, you know, why not St. John's or why not Michigan? And, um, you know, I could go against these top kids in the country and be successful if other kids will come with me and do it together. And, uh, you know, we have a senior class right now led by um, Sierra Thompson and Danielle Williams, and those were two kids that took the first chance. Now, they, they weren't the recruits of Caitlin Flaherty and Kaiser Gondrasek and Hallie Thom, but they were two leaders, two program changers, two kids that really believed in our vision and said, I'm going to take those first steps and I'm going to help coach recruit her butt off to get other kids here to really believe that we can do something that's never been done at Michigan before. And they came, and, and Sierra Thompson has been a, a four-year starter for us at the point guard position, and, and Danielle Williams, her sister, plays at UCLA. Um, she came, and she has been a leader for us from day one, just an intangible kind of kid that every program needs, the kid that's willing to sacrifice her own individual statistics and individual stuff for the good of the team and puts the team first in everything she does. She's the kind of kid that will go on the floor and, take a charge for you in a game to win the game, but her her numbers don't always show up in the box score. And you need kids like that in your program. They're the difference makers. You don't need five All-Americans. You need kids that are going to come in and to buy into who you are and to be a reflection of the coaches and the program and the university. And our seniors have truly, truly done that. After them came Caitlin Flaherty. And golly, you know, she was a kid from New Jersey, an incredible scorer, a kid that I've watched since third grade, that I said, you know, when I get to Michigan, she's a straight-A student. She's thinking about pre-med. I know her. I know her dad. You know, I, I need to, you know, at least make this an option for her. You know, a kid that always didn't didn't always play on the top program, but always made the program where she played a success. And, um you know, when she decided to come to Michigan, it was really a turning point for us because we got one of the best scorers in the country, a kid that showed the ability on the AAU circuit to score against some of the greatest defenders, some of the top high school All-Americans. Um, she was that kind of kid for us. So when she came in, you know, the impact that she's had on our program and what she's been able to do from the minute she stepped on campus has been in- incredible. But then she she came in with Jillian Dunstan, um, a kid that's kind of a little bit under the radar who maybe didn't have the impact on our program her freshman season but really bought into the process and trying to be the best player and trying to learn and trying to get better every year, which is the normal um, trajectory of most college players you know they don't come in and make the impact sometimes that a Caitlin Flaherty can but she's having an incredible incredible junior season um leading our team and rebounding as an undersized 5'11 kid um just an incredible motor incredible energy just passionate about everything she does passionate about the game of basketball so she's kind of been our our motor our inspiration our energy and and uh she's been a difference for our team this season for sure then our sophomore class, you know, it's kind of been an impact player per class. Hallie Thome, 
I mean, one of the greatest big kids, and you talk about Caitlin, I mean, she could have gone to Louisville, she could have gone to Georgia, she could have gone to other top ten programs but decided on Michigan. And the same with Hallie Thome, you know, Louisville, Ohio State, Michigan State. And she said, no, I want to go to to Michigan and I want to do something different and I want to make an impact and I want to be a part of building something that's never been done before. And um, her and Caitlin have been a dynamic duo um, they've really been incredible together. And uh, then we have that senior leadership, and we have Jillian, and then you add a freshman like Kaiser Gondrzyk to the mix of what we had coming back and the experience that we've had coming back. And Kaiser's a kind of do-all kind of kid. She she could be your best passer. She could be your best rebounder. She could be your best scorer. She could be your best defender on any given night. And, Coach, what do you need me to do tonight, and how can I help the team be successful? So we kind of have really a great core group, an experienced group. Um, we add a dynamic freshman to that and, and another player in Nicole Munger, a sophomore, who gives us an instant spark off the bench. It's been a special group, a competitive group, and they, they've been able to really turn the corner this season. 20-5 and five overall, 9-2 and two in conference, 12-0 and 0 at home. You know, you, you're also starting to get the home people to show up, which is a big part of growing the game and growing your program, of course. Uh, it, it's been nice to see. I, how much of that is the impact of someone like Award caring? How much of it is just success? How much of it is, you know, everybody starting to believe in all of Michigan sports and the, and the Harbaugh effect and, of course, the, uh, the, big, uh, the big contract of uh, athletic supplies? That, that has <laughs> come to. Yeah. Um, David, that's that's a great question. I, I think for sure it's a combination of all of those things. It's the, the University of Michigan and what it stands for, um, excellence through and through, the resources that are here, the commitment to excellence that is here is something that drew me away from a team um, that went to the Sweet 16. It, it drew me away from my home in New York and New Jersey because of what Michigan stands for and its tradition and its pride and its excellence and everything, you know. And, and like you said, it's one in football and softball and gymnastics and men's basketball. And But you add to that. Um, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, you start winning a little bit. Our kids are just tremendous ambassadors for the university, and they're out in the community. And um, they've been great at connecting with people and building relationships. But then you bring someone like Ward in here, and, and Ward's a Michigan guy, and, and he understands this university, and he understands all that. But he really understands women's basketball. And him and Gino have a, a fabulous connection um, you know, he, he's away this weekend. He's been at all of our games. He's away on business this weekend, and I look up, and there's his wife and his family, and they don't miss a game, and, and they are, are just committed to us and our program, and they get it, and they get what it takes to be a top basketball program, a top women's basketball program in the country because they've, they've lived that life, um, you know, at, with his time at Connecticut. Um, so I think it's a combination, definitely, of all of those things. I don't think you can have one piece and, and have the kind of fan base that we need to be successful. I think you need all the pieces to the puzzle, and it's definitely helped 
and our fans have continued to grow. We had a great crowd. Um, it's definitely made a difference, and it helps with our success at home. On the verge of breaking the school record for program wins, which was 22, you're at 20 now, a couple of more regular season games ahead, and then, of course, the uh, the Big Ten tournament, and then on to the NCAAs, where you're currently projected as the number six seed uh, from last week's bracketology, Charlie Cream hasn't updated things, but I would suspect that there's a possibility that you would at least be the six, if not higher. Uh, so, so the bigger rivalry game is it Ohio State or or is it Michigan State? <laughs> That's a great question, and I, I'm not sure if I shared this with you, David, but this is serious out here. And I know you you said you know your daughter's a, a student at Ohio State, so you kind of get it a little bit. But in my um, email when I, when I was coming for my press conference five years ago, I got a big email on the do's and don'ts. And uh, one, one paragraph was about, okay, whatever you do, do not wear red. And, we, and the next sentence was, That's your we, whole wardrobe coming from St. John's. Wardrobe, yes. And we particularly don't like green either. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I packed about 10 bags of red clothing and dispersed it uh, among the Glen Rock community that I lived in because all I owned was red. Um, it was my favorite color. It was my children's favorite color. I had been at St. John's for 10 years. So I had to go out and buy new clothes, and everything I own now is maize and blue. And my child, I remember one of the first weeks we were here, my son went to his basketball practice and had red St. John sneakers. And he walked in, and, and the boys on his team said to him immediately, what are you doing with those shoes on? Um, you're going to need to change them. And he was 10 years old at the time. Yeah. So um, that's the kind of rivalry that there is between Ohio State and Michigan State. And I, I don't know if I would put one above the other. I know we have Michigan State coming in here on Sunday, and we're trying to pack the house, and I think we'll have a tremendous crowd. But it is something that, you know, on the East Coast I really didn't have an appreciation for. I had heard about it. But now that you live it, you don't own red, you don't own green, own green, you cannot wear anything with any shade of green or red ever. Not even on a game day. I mean, it cannot be in your wardrobe or you will be called out immediately for that. It goes very deep. <laughs> well, that's great. I love that. That's what it should. That's what rivalry should be. That's that's great stuff. Uh, now, you know, the team does have – now, the, the team has five losses. I'm going to give you a chance to make your, your case for a higher seeding. Four of those losses, you know, are, were, you know, number 10, Florida State on a neutral court, number 9, UCLA there, number 11, Ohio State, and number 3, Maryland, the two teams ahead of you in the Big Ten Conference. But you had that one uh, slip, that one game at Xavier where your team lost. So, so if you're – Talking to the committee right now, what are you telling them to say that, okay, you know, look who we lost to, but let's ignore that game and we should be a higher than a six? Oh, boy. All right. Committee. Um, so one is all of those games were on the road. I think we really went out and we really challenged ourselves in the non-league, first of all. Our schedule was incredible, incredibly tough, and we were on the road for most of our non-league schedule. The games against Xavier, and, and you could go back and look through our schedule, we had gone to the Virgin Islands and played three games there, returned 
for I think we were maybe a day at home and went down to Georgia Tech to play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, we went to the Virgin Islands and beat Gonzaga, who was coming off of beating Stanford. So that was their game before they played us. We beat them on a neutral court. Um, then we played Florida State to a game that went down to the wire on a neutral court. We had to return home, fly back to Atlanta to take on a Georgia Tech team that we beat 40 points on their home court, fly back home, and then drive five hours to play at Xavier. So I think it's sometimes it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And um, that was a tough stretch for our team for sure. I think Xavier played exceptionally well that night. Um, but – you know, we had a little bit of a bump in the road. Then we got back from that, and we went on a plane, and we went out to California. So we we went out to California and challenged ourselves on the road at UCLA. So I think we have shown that we were willing in the non-league to go on the road and to really test ourselves. And um, did we come away with some of those victories at some of those places? No, but, you know, a, a few of them we did. So I think we're a battle-tested team. Our only losses in our league have been against some of the top teams in the country in Maryland, who we went into the fourth quarter in a tie basketball game, and Ohio State, which is a game that went down to the wire as well, both not at home. So I think we've put ourselves in a great position. I think we've challenged and we've tested ourselves, and we've had some incredible games on opponents' home floors. So I think we're just a, a team that's continuing to get better and better and a team that's ta- um, tested themselves in the non-league. Well, it sounds pretty convincing to me. Uh, there is one last thing that I do want to want to talk about for a second. You did a great job early on talking about the impact of all of your players. But, you know, occasionally you get that one transitional player that could make all the difference going forward with future recruiting and all because she is such a special talent. And I did want to focus on Kaiser Gondrzek for a second because, you know, thank God for the Big Ten Network. I get a chance to, to watch this team play some. And this is a just a special talent. At 5'9", she can do so many things in the paint, outside. You know, this, this is one of those players, and she is a legitimate candidate, uh, along with Joyner Holmes and uh, Sabrina Ionesco, to – be freshman of the year in the country. Uh, just talk for a sec about how special this kid is and, and what she means to your program. Yeah, I had an opportunity my first year here. One of the first high school basketball games I went to was hers, and she was a freshman. Her sister was a sophomore, I believe, and um, I had heard so much about them. Um, she was rated, I think, number one potentially as an eighth grader in the country, and um I went to that game, and I left that game being like, and now it's her first game her freshman year in high school playing on varsity, and I was blown away with not her scoring ability, but her feel for the game and her ability to make people around her better. And she just had just such natural instincts. She saw the game three steps ahead um, and the plays three steps ahead developing and what other kids weren't seeing. And I've had an opportunity to coach Akia Wright, who was at Connecticut and transferred to us at St. John's. And she was a kid very similar. Nadira McKenna very similar. Kids that could just see things developing three steps ahead of anyone else. 
And I saw that with her as a 14-year-old kid, and I left there being like, oh, my goodness, this kid can be really special. She comes from a family where her mother won a national championship at La Tech, and her dad played in the NBA. I mean, she has really, really great genes. Um, she's a, she's grown up with a ball in her hand. Her um, grandfather is a legendary basketball coach down in Benton Harbor. Uh, she just doesn't know anything else other than basketball. And uh, when she got to us, I mean, it's always a transition for freshmen, and it always takes a little bit of time, especially on the defensive end and handling the pressure of different situations. And with this kid, it's never been like that on the court. When you put a ball in her hands, um, the bigger the game, the more she steps up to the challenge. We were at Purdue the other night, and they we had a little bit of a lead, and they closed it to one, I think, in the fourth quarter. And we kind of got stagnant a little bit, and she took over the game. For a freshman to be able to do that, I think she hit two floaters with her left hand and then knocked down two threes from the left corner. I mean, in in another game at home, um, Sierra Thompson, we, we took her out of the game and gave her a break at the point guard spot, and Kaiser ran the point and made, whether it was scoring or finding her teammates, made about four or five plays back-to-back that were just incredible. So I, I think, you know, her biggest strength is she's not just a scorer. She had a high school game last year where she had 72 points, and everybody thought she was going to come in just being a scorer for us. But that's not her greatest asset. Her greatest asset is that she just makes people around her better, and she has such a great feel for the game. She's a great passer. She's a great rebounder, um, great instincts, and she can score the basketball. So she's special. Um, she's definitely been the piece to our puzzle um, that we needed to have the success that we have had this year. Um, so it's it's um, we're definitely a different team with her for sure. I've always thought that for a state university in particular to get the local to stay—that's the big time player—is the time is this turning point potentially in the program. At Connecticut, I always thought the biggest recruit that they ever got was Nikisha Sales. And I think, and you look at South Carolina and you look at Asia Wilson now. And, you know, now you look at Michigan and here you've got the girl, you know, her sister, it, it should be fun this weekend, huh, with her sisters on Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, but but you've got the Michigan girl to stay. And that is just huge. And I think that that's just going to be, you know, just the start of things to get the locals to stay home. Yeah, that was really, really important for us, David, and that's a great point. I mean, you look at, you know, Joyner Homes, and you go around, and when Brittany Griner stayed at Baylor and, you know, Asia at South Carolina, you know, when the home kid, when you can go anywhere else in the country and you decide to make a difference at your school in your state, it, it makes a world of difference. And when Kaiser decided to do that, um, I, I think that is definitely a turning point. Well, Coach, it's been a great season so far. You know, there's still more to play, but I definitely wanted to get you on here because, you know, I, I know how hard you work at your craft and, and how much you care about the kids in the program. And uh, while while we miss having you come up and make some visits in Connecticut, now with, now with Ward here, maybe we can get you to sign a home and home with the Huskies. Oh, he wants to do that for sure. <laughs> and, I don't know if we're ready for that yet. I, hey, the last time we played him, I got the victory. I'm kind of holding that for a while. <laughs> hey, come on, you, you know you only you only got a couple seniors on this team, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you better get here while Flaherty's still here next year. So. I know, but you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, congratulations on the success. Hard-earned, 
you know, things are definitely going better and, you know, and I wish, uh, you know, TTUN the best of success. You know, I can't, I can't say it, you know, but, uh, yeah, it'll be a, go blue. <laughs> it'll be a fun Big Ten tournament, especially with Ohio State, Maryland, and you, the three teams that are clearly the class of the group. Thanks again, coach. Thank you so much, David. It was great to talk again. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.